1: Learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash TalkAwayTheDark.
0: This is Reset. I'm Jen White. Throughout the COVID-19 pandemic, cities, states, and the federal government have rarely been on the same page about how to respond to and manage the crisis. Even in a state like Illinois, we have a state reopening plan that's different from the city of Chicago's reopening plan. But with so many different plans in place and no coordinated nationwide response, can we effectively fight the virus and a possible second wave? In his latest piece for The Atlantic, science writer Ed Young details the uneven spread of COVID-19 and the uneven response from the government. It's called America's Patchwork Pandemic is Fraying Even Further. Ed, welcome back.
1: Hi, thanks for having me again. So
0: as we just mentioned, you write about the patchwork manner in which the virus spreads. Can you explain that a little bit further?
1: Sure. Um, so if you look at America's national number of cases, um, you see that it's hit a steady plateau for much of April and is now slowly trending downwards. But that overall trend hides a lot of very strikingly disparate ones across the country, where, for example, in states like New York that were really hit um, very badly at the start, uh, the virus does seem to be waning, and there was a clear peak. but in other places it is still um, is still climbing and If you average these trends out together, you get this overall national plateau. but it's clear that different places are experiencing the viruses, the virus in very different ways, uh, and that's what I mean when I talk about the patchwork pandemic, this large variety um, in experiences across the country.
0: So, just give us an example of two states that are having very different experiences of the pandemic
1: so New York is a classic one. It is the hardest hit state so far, um, but cases are now slowly going down as the state seems to be getting things under control uh, whereas other places like um Alabama, like North Carolina, are seeing rises um, in cases still. Um, there's also variations in how much testing states have, in, in how much contact tracing capability they have, and in when states uh, have decided to reopen. So um, where I live in DC, we're still under stay-at-home orders. But for example, in Georgia, um, the, uh, businesses were uh, across the state were allowed to reopen in quite an alarming way, um, in late April.
0: You spoke with dozens of experts for this article, and they all agreed that without a vaccine, uh, the patchwork spread and uneven response would continue. Lay out some of the facts behind what they say.
1: We have um, this idea of um, this peak Uh, right now, this first wave, possibly followed by a lull, possibly followed by a second wave, a resurgence in the fall. But I think that model is too simple. Like like we've said, there is this patchwork pattern. Um, While the virus may originally have hit um, coastal cities like New York or Seattle, it is now spreading into rural areas, into suburbs, into places that previously had not experienced it. And I think we can also expect areas that once already had that have already dealt with the virus to experience resurgences. So it's not like the country is going to experience this concerted second wave. In many parts of the U.S., um, they're not even out of the first wave yet.
0: What does it mean that there are sections of the country where there hasn't been the same sort of up-close-and-personal experience of the coronavirus that you see in a city like New York or, or here in Chicago?
1: Um, I think that personal experience with the virus really shapes people's attitudes and their behaviours around it. And I don't just mean falling sick yourself, but I mean also seeing friends and family fall sick. I think places where you don't know anyone in your community who's had, who's encountered COVID-19, with those places, in those places people are going to behave very differently. They're going to take more risks, they're going to take the virus less seriously, they're going to be um, more vulnerable to politicised interpretations based on their own ideologies than in places where people have themselves been sick, where you can and see the effect that this virus has on hospitals, on communities.
0: And we think specifically about rural areas where there may be an uptick uh, in infections, but maybe less healthcare infrastructure to support an increase in infections. What does that mean for those communities?
1: there's no scientific reason to think that rural communities will be spared from this virus. It will just take longer to get there. And when it does get there, we've seen already examples from various parts of the country um, that it can cause severe outbreaks that have the capacity to overwhelm hospital systems that are already low in beds, in um, equipment, in protective supplies. So I worry that this idea that we are already like past the first, wave, or in, even as some places are saying, past the pandemic full stop, that it's going to lead to a false sense of security in the areas that are least equipped to, um, to, to adequately deal with the virus.
0: So we're seeing a wide range of approaches to reopening states' economies. Um, many states are at odds over relaxing restrictions. And President Trump, of course, has been part of that conversation. Here's what he's had
1: to say. At my direction, The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is issuing guidance for communities of faith as essential places that provide essential services. I call upon governors to allow our churches and places of worship to open right now. If they don't do it, I will override the governors. Unpack some of what we heard there, Ed. The problem here is that throughout this crisis, um, Trump has failed to... Um, issue the kind of clear, coordinated communications that a leader must in time of need. Now, America is clearly a group of 50 um, somewhat independent states. Um, It it relies on the system of federalism where the government and the states are meant to act together. And there is strength to that when it comes to public health, because local level um, leaders and employees better know the the ins and outs of their communities than someone uh, working out of D.C. But the federal government does absolutely still need to be coordinated. It needs to have some consistent framework against which the states can act. It needs to coordinate the provision of money, of supplies, so that states get the equipment that they need, rather than having to rely on the actions of individual governors, on the wealth of different states, on, on connections. And without providing that coordination, as the White House has failed to do, you end up with chaos. You end up with states all doing their own thing. You end up with governors having to bid against each other, against the federal government, against other countries for important supplies. And you end up with this super capitalistic system where it really depends on how wealthy and connected places are rather than what actually they need. You know, the federal government is meant to set up situations in which states can win together, but it is not doing that.
0: Where does politics intersect with this issue of of response to the pandemic and the country's long term recovery?
1: Um, It intersects very deeply, and this is clearly a scientific question, but it is not only a scientific question, it is also one of politics. And in a situation where the country is highly fragmented because of political polarisation, it is very hard to get um, the kind of collective understanding and collective action that one needs in order to control the pandemic. Now, despite all that, all that being said, America has been strangely united in its response. Um, people have, by and large, taken the pandemic seriously. Um, many of them have, uh, in the majority, agreed that social distancing is important. They are, um, they are uh, largely uh, unified in the issue of masks. Um, there are all obviously exceptions. Um, but given how partisan, um, how, how polarised the country already was going into this, It's really striking that those divides have narrowed to the degree that they have. I worry that that narrowing cannot continue, that isn't sustainable in the long term um, and that further divisions will arise because of the trends that we've talked about, because of differing reactions from the states and differences in when states have reopened, what the policies are and the frankly confusing messages from the White House
0: and i want to turn to the role the media plays in in this moment and the role we play in either making things better or perhaps worse
1: mm-hmm. one of the challenges that the media faces is its um is its tendency to focus on what is new what is dramatic or what what is visually arresting and as a result it is it feels more likely to cover frankly fringe movements like anti lockdown protests or behaviour that uh, may not actually be representative of what the entire country is doing. So, for example, people flocking to pool parties of a Memorial Day weekend are more um, telegenic and more attractive to the news than people responsibly staying indoors. And I think by by um, skewing our attention towards um, things that are different, things um, things that are are counter to what we've experienced so far, um, we run the risk of normalizing behaviour that is actually still in the minority, um, and that and fraying our um, psychological collective sense of the pandemic even more than it already stands to be. So,
0: part of what I'm hearing you say is, is that our response to this pandemic requires some sort of shared purpose. Um, but the idea of shared purpose. At least in some cases, conflicts with this legacy of American individualism. How do you see that conflict playing out right now?
1: Yeah, I think that's a very stark um, uh, issue uh, right now. The, the The response to a pandemic like this, a a threat that in that affects us all. Um, and whose fate is greatly influenced by our collective action, are willing to make sacrifices for the good of all, to stay at home, to wear masks, um, to protect each other. That does run counter to this very stark sense of individualism and exceptionalism that is so ingrained in American culture. Um, this idea that I am free to do whatever I like. And that rebelling against these um, orders, these recommendations to act on the good of many, that's a sign of resistance, of bravery. I think that's leading us into dangerous waters. Um, And this idea that America has had post 9-11 especially, that you must terror, that you must show yourself to be um, unafraid, it just doesn't work in the context of a pandemic because this virus doesn't care for your bravery. It's just out to infect your cells. Um and and that posture, I think, leads one to um to to dangerous actions rather than helpful ones.
0: Well, Ed, you finish your article discussing the deeper and much older legacies which led to the disproportionate effects this virus is having on certain groups. And mm-hmm. you you write about our history with Native Americans. Where do you see the intersection there?
1: So just look at the Navajo Nation. Um, They have um, the highest relative number of cases of COVID-19 than any of the states. Um, Because of uh, a long legacy of um, oppression, of land theft, Um, many of them live in uh, conditions where they don't have running water, making it really hard to wash their hands, where they don't have power, so they heat their homes with burning coal and wood, irritating their lungs, which is bad news when you have a respiratory virus doing the rounds. Um, It is no surprise that the Navajo Nation um, as is being disproportionately affected by this virus. And that has nothing to do with the choices they've made, the decisions they're making about how they live their lives. It is a total reflection of the long legacy um, of oppression that that community has faced in U.S. history
0: we're also seeing a disproportionate impact uh, in, in in black america where do you see the the legacy and and history of slavery playing a role in what we're seeing right now
1: in a very similar way to what we've just described for um indigenous americans um uh, uh for the longest time since after the civil war healthcare has been pushed away from black communities um very deliberately um hospitals have been have been situated away from black communities healthcare has been disproportionately apportioned away from from black people and it is no surprise therefore that um uh, black communities are being infected by and killed by this virus to a much greater extent than white communities. If America does not make efforts to address the long-standing health inequalities that have played it well before the time of COVID-19 it is not going to be able to sufficiently mount a defence against this virus. If it, it, This is a problem that affects um, the entire country. And unless the US um, pays special attention to addressing its most vulnerable citizens, recognising that their risk is not to do with personal decisions, but long-standing societal problems, that we will not get this pandemic under control.
0: So there there are two things happening right now. There's this patchwork response to the pandemic, but then there are also longer term historical and systemic issues that I hear you talking about. When mm-hmm. it comes to just the pandemic response, what's key there in, in helping the nation turn a corner and finding a response to the pandemic that will ensure long term recovery in this country?
1: So I think two things. Um, Firstly, we need to reinvest in public health Um, and public health has been chronically underfunded in the country, um, which means that we are already um, coming into this pandemic from a position of weakness. We now need to radically ramp up amounts of testing and um, contact tracing. The good news is that these tools, you know, they're not rocket science. Um they're available now. We know how to do them. They've con- they've um contained pandemic uh, epidemics in other parts of the world um in in other at other times in our history. Um we just need the political will and the resources to ramp them up to the degree that we need. And unfortunately that will hasn't been missing till now and um and with the result that uh, the US is only in a slightly better position now coming into the summer than it was at the start of spring. But we can, we can fix that. And we should be able to. The other thing, as I wrote in the piece is that we need to focus on some of the social interventions that will make a huge difference. It's no use telling people that they should stay at home when some people actually can't. If you don't have paid sick leave, for example, and if you've got symptoms, you're not going to just quarantine at home, you're going to go into work to put money on the table to feed your families. So you need systems like paid sick leave, like hazard pay, like better health care for all if you're going to ensure that people who are vulnerable because of societal disadvantages, social disadvantages, can take the actions needed to stay safe for themselves and their families. And the good news is that those interventions like paid sick leave don't need to be, you know, you don't need to wait for a vaccine, some like magical biomedical silver bullet. We know these social interventions work and we can out, we can put we can roll them out right now to immediate effect.
0: That's Ed Young, he's science writer for the Atlantic and author of the book I Contain Multitudes: The Microbes Within Us and a Grander View of Life. His latest article in the Atlantic is titled America's Patchwork Pandemic is fraying even further. Ed, thanks for coming back.
1: Thanks so much for having me again.
0: And that's today's Reset. Hey, the sun is out. We've got a shortened week. Get outside, take a few breaths, and continue to follow the latest news and information on WBEZ and WBEZ.org. And continue to follow the guidelines put in place to keep us safe. I'm Jen White. Thanks for listening, and let's talk again soon.